Speaking of making us sad, let's just jump right in. Hi, I am Cassie. And I'm Emily, and this is Full Scream Ahead, your spooky road trip bucket list. Bucket list. I don't... I lost a tune. I'm sorry. I mean, we didn't really have... We have to, like, find a little, like... Maybe it was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. You are now recording after an hour. Oh, Congratulations. An hour. An hour and we still never got I it mean, to work right. <laughs> an hour and a half, actually. An hour and a half-ish. I got here at like 6.16. That sounds about right. No, it was 6.11. I got here at 6.11. It's currently 7.38. Damn. Yeah. Okay. We did it. We did it. We finally got one microphone. We got it figured out. We have one functioning microphone um, out of the two. But it works. We Not a bad success rate. Yeah, it works. We got it figured out. Let's make a podcast now that we can hear ourselves. Oh, I'm really God. glad it worked out. Yes. Because it would have sucked to like have to record Saturday morning oh and my then God. also edit Saturday. Oh, yeah. And like, I also have a I, test on Saturday. Yeah, that's just bad news bears. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, there wouldn't have been time tomorrow because of the haunted tavern thing. Oh, yeah. We are... Our schedule's packed pretty tight this tomorrow. This is... So, for listeners at home, this is the first time Emily and I are recording in person. Yes, um, it's the first time we've seen each other since, since I get, yeah. dropped her off a microphone and said, yeah. hey, you want to do a podcast? Emily messaged me on Facebook and she said, do you want to do a podcast? Um, to the tune of, do you want to build a snowman from Frozen? I'm pretty sure I included the GIF too. You, you did. I like that you spelled it instead of saying it so nobody um, would wreck you because your pronunciation. Do you say okay. GIF? To be honest, I never actually said it as a word. Okay. So when this whole like, is it GIF or GIF started... And I was only reading this on the internet. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? It's obviously GIF. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's GIF, obviously. And I'm just like, now, because I don't know, I've never said the word. I've always spelled it out. You've always spelled it out. Yeah. I mean, look, that's the loophole that's we didn't I know learned. we needed. It's a loophole we didn't know we needed. It, it's how I get out of picking a side. That's fair. Um, I, I support that completely. Um, so, yeah, first time seeing each other in person since we started the pod. First time, obviously, recording in person since yes. then. It took us a little bit a little bit to get over some of the bumps. We had some issue with the microphones, but between Emily's IT experience and my <laughs> casual computer usage experience, we got it figured out. Cassie did it all. I screamed a lot. <laughs> okay, listen, I didn't want to, like, blast you on the pod because <laughs> you talk about being in IT all the time. I clock out at five. <laughs> but I'm very proud that I'm the one who got this to work. <laughs> I feel like it's like a nice brag that <laughs> hurts no one but makes me feel a lot. I'm telling this story tomorrow at work is what I'm saying. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So um, I'll start or you'll start. I mean, this whole ramble is probably going to be included. Let's oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now it's, it's weird because now instead of just like sitting there um, waiting for a reaction, thinking, wow, is Zoom like lagging? Is there a pause? And then I start talking because I'm like, wow, she didn't get my joke. And then you start reacting to my joke and now I can see your face. Yeah. I think the vibes, I think the vibe's going to be a lot better. Um, I know that when we initially talked about this, the idea was that one of us would be like inebriated. Um, I've not been inebriated since like the first or second episode because I cannot focus. Uh, that's what I've learned too. I took one little hit to relax and I think uh-huh. I, well, I did it too hard and I almost died. Yeah, you were had to check a lot. Me. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. Maybe this is a good episode to be inebriated because it's kind of a bummer to All take right. you down a notch. So Cool. Sorry. That's... I'm really excited to I'm, be bummed out. I'm really excited for you to watch me tell a story with all my stupid faces I'm, and hand motions. I can't wait until we get this area like all set up and cute and stuff and like we can have a virtual, like a, like a recording of the podcast. Yes, instead of recording on my only two unpacked pieces of furniture and a room full of boxes. I mean, listen, these two pieces of furniture are cute. I'm comfy. I'm vibing. Like if I didn't have work tomorrow, I would ask to hit your vape, that <laughs> weed pen thing. Um, however, I do need to take a shower tonight, so I do have to go home. It's, um, it's the best. And it looks like a little a little pipe. It's it actually so called the Sherlock, so it makes me feel fancy. It's really cute. It's really cute. I um I made a TikTok, because uh, I'm at I'm on the TikTok fellow cool kids. Um, uh, I'm too old to learn how to use it. I, I cannot understand it. I'm not good at it, and I haven't made a TikTok in probably over a year, but I watch a lot of them. But I did make a TikTok once upon a time, and it was me telling the story of how 
I took a selfie with my family at my mom's gravesite because I wanted her to be included in the family photo. Aww. So, like, I brought a selfie stick to her grave to, like, include her gravestone. And then I... I just have, like, the most millennial image in my head of, like, oh, I don't know, like Mickey Mouse ears, like, no, doodly like, back. Truly, and <laughs> truly, that's what it was. Minus the sands of the Mickey Mouse ears. And I posted it on Instagram, hashtag family photo. So I made a TikTok with that story, and I thought I was very funny. Oh, no, did she um, get canceled? No. Because uh, I think that's fucking hilarious. It's incredible. It's great. And I stand by it. But in the TikTok, I actually said, uh, in the caption, I was like, this was like four years ago. I'm not funny anymore. <laughs> Your mom would think it's funny. <laughs> she really would. And you know what? If she wouldn't, I'll never know. She's not here. So I'm going to pretend she would. And we're going to roll forward into a boat. All right. We're talking about boats today. Also. <laughs> so I've been watching a lot of How I Met Your Mother lately because um, now instead of like being a weird teenager thinking oh look at these cool people living in new york i'm just like wow these are really sad people who are now my age they suck yeah and then it i'm also like wow this this is my life as a sad 29 year old in a major city yeah but most of them suck yeah that's true yeah um but anyway, oh, wait, the whole reason I was talking about this in the first place is because I just watched the episode where Robin's co-host does her commercial. And it's just like, boats, 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 boats. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking in my head the whole time I was writing my notes. It's boats, boats, boats. Oh, man. <laughs> Excuse me. I've been awake since five. Oh, gross. <gasps> me too. Oliver. <laughs> if Sharif Payevans taught me anything, she taught me how to reset. Um, okay, so we're talking oh, about so concerned. We're talking about boats, and this might have been boats, cut boats. out, but we're talking about boats, 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 because the commercial that Robin is in in How I Met Your Mother. It's not Robin. It's her co-anchor Becky. Rob, but isn't Robin in the commercial? Robin does another commercial, oh, but that was different. Becky's commercial, where well, she goes, boats, boats, boats. Anyway, there's a boats, boats, boats commercial, and <laughs> that's what she made, made you think of this story. Um, so tell us tell us what we're getting into today. So today, we are going to talk about the SS Morrow Castle, which is one of the biggest maritime disasters in American history. It's got it all. Um, potential murder, conspiracy. Love it. Um, a good landlord special that ruins everything. Landlord, not a real job. Exactly. So uh, let, let's uh, let's do the thing. Let's Sweet. Look. Let's get into it. Let's talk about some boots. Let's talk about some boots. <laughs> a boot. A boot. A boot. Boots, boots, boots. In 1841, the Ward Line of Freight Company was established by James Otis Ward in New York. The Ward Line in 1881 then changed its name to the New York Cube Mail Steamship Company and would carry mail goods and passengers back and forth from New York and Cuba. Define mail goods. Mail and goods. Ma- oh. <laughs> there was a comment there. <laughs> okay, so I thought you said male goods, like like dude goods, and I immediately went to like, what the fuck are they shipping? Sex dolls? Um, but you meant male and goods. Yes. Okay. Um, like, they, they send their hot Cubans, we send our hot um, white dudes. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm still a little confused, but slightly less. <laughs> Which is kind of how I live my life, right on that line. So we're good. Mm, yes, that's a good line to dance on. By the 1920s, the company's fleet was aging and not performing very well. Combined with mismanagement of funds, the company found themselves facing bankruptcy. In 1928, the Merchant Marine Act of 1928 was passed, which provided the subsidies that would keep the company afloat. Do we know why they were doing poorly? Because they suck at management. That's fair. Also, it was this was around the beginning of the Great Depression. Oh, so nobody was doing well. Yes. Okay. While its conception was mainly for the transport of cargo, there was a growing interest in Cuba as a destination by Americans, especially wealthy Americans, and more passengers were eager to sign up. The Ward Line decided to capitalize on this fascination with Cuba and had two new ships built just for the purpose of taking American tourists to Cuba in style. The pair of ships cost around $5.5 million each, but because of the Merchant Marine Act of 1928, the government was able to provide 75% of the capital needed to construct these luxury ships with a loan that could be paid back over the course of 20 years to protect the company from the influence of the Great Depression. I wonder how that went. Yeah, your face says everything. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a great plan, guys. <laughs> Two thumbs up. The, no one in this country has any money. People are starving in the streets. 
Here is several million dollars to build a luxury liner. That sounds like the most American thing they could do. That is absolutely what we needed in that moment. Absolutely. Truly. Yeah, that was the the best use of several million dollars, I'm sure. Good thing it didn't le- end in total disaster. It's a good thing no one starved to death instead. Yes. Americans. One of these ships that was built was the SS Morrow Castle. The SS Morrow Castle was named after the stone fortress and lighthouse, which guards the entrance the entrance to Havana Bay in Havana, Cuba, where the boat would go. This was also the name of a previous ship that the Ward Line owned that was constructed in 1900, but then decommissioned and taken apart in 1924. So technically, it's the SS Morrow Castle Part Two, but I mean, it's that. the one that counts. The first one was a test run. Yeah, I guess. It was the 1900s. They were doing wacky stuff. <laughs> there were two dudes who thought they could, like, build a car that flies. Yeah, that's fair. Or they thought they could, I don't know, like, paint with radium. You know? <laughs> they, uh, they were still doing that, I'm pretty sure, then. Yep. Bad calls all around. <laughs> so I actually had to um, look up um, ship abbreviations. And now that I have, like, I feel so stupid. I feel like this is something, like, I should have... That should have just been obvious when it comes to ship names. So the SS in ship names actually stands for a steamship. Oh, I, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> what are the other ones? Um, so yeah, that means that the ship was powered by a steam engine. Um, the prefixes normally refer to what type of ship it is. Like a, I think there's like a motor or some, I don't know, tech, mer- boat terms. So is there like a, like an MS for motor ship? Probably. Interesting. Uh, because Americans have to tell everyone who we are, um, there was a short time in the 20th century, um, predominantly during Teddy Roosevelt's time, where um, we changed the prefixes to be even more American to be things like USS. But United um, Steamship, like that doesn't even <laughs> fucking make any sense. It should be USSS. Exactly. US cubed. <laughs> yes. US cubed is great. US cubed. US cubed. <laughs> Dude, so United States Steamship. Have you US cubed is such a better name than USS? You fucking kidding me? And it makes trademarked. Me, can't use it. <laughs> and it makes me think of Have you ever watched Community? No. Okay. Well, there's one season where someone says something about how oh we can't have crazy frats running around here, even though they didn't. So the one guy's like, oh, I should make a crazy frat. That should go on my college bucket list. So he makes um, the Delta Cubes, and all Love they do it. is walk around and go, you can't stop the Delta Cubes. Delta Cubes. Delta, Delta Cubes. cubes. Love that. That's great. Yes. I'm in. I love Abed. I'm in a cult. So the new SS Morrow Castle was designed by Theodore Ferris. Ferris was not a rookie at all. In fact, he had designed over 1,800 vessels over the course of his career. That's a lot of boats. That's a lot of boats. That's boats, boats, boats. Boats, boats, boats. The SS Morrow Castle was considered a modern and well-equipped vessel with several safety features. I'm doing air quotes here. Safety features that were integrated into its design, which would later be proven to not entirely be accurate as it was famously known for its lack of safety. Um, I wonder if the safety features made it worse. A little bit. We'll get into it. Ooh. In March of 1930, the ship was officially christened. In the SS Morrow, it was 508 feet in length, or about 1,355 hamburgers in length. Oh my god. I wasn't expecting the hamburgers, I gotta tell ya. <laughs> How many hamburgers in length? Is this, are we talking, hold on, let me back up a question. Are we talking like sad McDonald's dollar double stack hamburgers? So, or like, like a nice one from Red Robin? When I do like the hamburgers, I normally do it 4.5 inches um, in diameter because that's what Google says is the average American hamburger. Okay. How many hamburgers? 1,355. 1,355. That's a lot of hamburgers. I know I'm yawning a lot, and it's not because I'm not interested. It's because 8.30 is literally my bedtime. Yeah. We're like, I go old. to sleep at 8.30 every day. That's um, So I'm very close to sleep time. <laughs> oh, my, yes. I'm going to sleep as, as soon as we're done. My body, I have to go home and take a shower. Oh, my God. And then I need to braid my hair because I want these to be fresh tomorrow for spooky night. Yes. And I can't go to work with six braids in my hair <laughs> because they don't look good. So it'll be interesting. Oh. I was so mad yesterday because I... Um, well, I trimmed my hair the other day so it would be more even. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and I put, as soon as I woke up, I put foam rollers in like the front half of my hair. Mm-hmm. And then like did my thing, got ready, and then I took them off. And my hair looked amazing and my makeup came out amazing. And I t- had such bad cramps. Like it felt like I was being kicked <laughs> in the stomach by a horse. Like I went to work. 
Um, I spent 30 minutes throwing up in the bathroom from the pain and had to come home. And I'm just like, why did it have to happen on my one good hair day of the month? That's messed up, man. <laughs> I even texted my boss. I'm like, you know it's real because my hair looks good today. I, why would I Why would I waste my good hair just sitting? It's not a waste to have good hair and sit at home. Do it for yourself. But also, if you have real good hair, like, you want to you wanna be showing it to people. Like, exactly. Look, I can do the thing. Exactly. Like, I sometimes that. I don't show up looking like a total mess at work. Only sometimes, though. Don't Only get sometimes. too high of expectations, please. Yeah. There's um, a meme that's been going around in a lot of IT groups. And it's really hard to tell this joke verbally because it's more of a visual thing. Mm-hmm. But it says, oh, my computer's not working. And someone else says, oh, go throw it to the IT guy. And then the next clip is just someone throwing their laptop into a sewer. <laughs> and here's good. the thing. The first several times I saw that meme, I forgot about the movie It. Oh, and I, my assumption was just, <laughs> yeah, IT people are sewer people. <laughs> Better. <laughs> That's so good. Okay, so 1,355 hamburgers. Okay. And that could accommodate 489 passengers along with 240 crew members. 489. 489 passengers and 240 crew members? Yes. So 729 people. Jesus. Jesus Have you ever seen 729 people in a room? No. It's a lot of people. Wow. Like a lot. I'm trying to think. And I'm just like... Concerts and stuff. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. But still, 729 people. How big is this boat in non-hamburger terms? 508 feet in length. I mean, it's got to be like several decks at least. It's got to be big. Yeah. It, it Like to fit 700 people, it's got to have a decent amount of rooms. Yeah. And it was also considered a luxury liner. A luxury one, yeah. So, of course, you know, you have to have your ballrooms and your writing rooms and all of that. Your writing junk. rooms? Oh, yeah. What? Writing. Like, writing. Why do you need a separate room for that? Just do it in your cabin. I don't know. I'm not a writer. Did every did just like, like letters 30... were a thing? I don't know. Oh yeah, I guess that's maybe maybe the writing room is just the mail room. Mm, maybe. Listen, I'm a 21st century kid. I don't understand. Neither do I. Maybe. Um, well, maybe what happens in the next part of the story is why we don't have writing rooms anymore. Oh no, <laughs> I like that. Good segue. Let's go. So the maiden voyage of the ship was on August 23rd, 1930. Mm -hmm. It made the trip from New York to Cuba in just under 59 hours, which was amazing for that time period. That's not a long time. No. For four years, the ship worked nonstop going back and forth between Havana and New York, carrying wealthy passengers. The ship was such a shot with the the ship was such a sought after experience. I never had to say that. The ship was such a sought after experience. (laughs) It's a tongue twister. Say that five times. Cannot. I barely got through it once. No, <laughs> it maintained steady business even while the Great Depression was worsening because the people who did have money wanted to spend it on something that was considered affordable but still luxurious. They wanted the poor people to die. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the ship's success was also um, can also be attributed to the fact that prohibition was in effect at the time, but alcohol is not banned on the open sea. So they wanted Loophole. to get drunk and let the poor people die yes two birds one stone killing it (laughs) not yet very nice (laughs) continue the trip provided a legal space to drink and was also known for its wild parties that would take place during these voyages primarily enjoyed by american and cuban businessmen who would travel back and forth The SS Morro Castle, despite its modern design and technology, would soon prove to have many safety violations, extremely poor management, and that did not take potential disaster into account while maintaining the vessel, or did they ever bother to train the crew on what to do in case of an emergency. These lack of precautions finally boiled over as the SS Morro Castle set its final sail on its final voyage on September 5th, 1934. Disaster of the SS Morro Castle would claim many lives, and the mystery behind what happened during that voyage might never be solved. Why do you do this to me? Why do you give me this, like, cool spooky story with, like, maybe murder? Um, and then you're like, but we don't really know. Like, this is just the watch your house on water. Exactly. Rude. Continue. I'm angry. So, 
And this next part, I learned about weather. <laughs> I'm going to do like six un, unsolved ones just to frustrate you. I'll punch a <laughs> hole in the wall and be like, hi, neighbors. <laughs> and then they can join our podcast and tell us how much they hate me. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that plan. No. We will take applications to join our podcast from your neighbors. And then we will reject them. <laughs> Give us a sense of power. Amazing. So on the night of the 174th voyage of the SS Morrow Castle, um, the weather was fairly calm as they set off, but soon they ran into thick clouds, harsh winds, and harsh winds, and these increased, and soon a nor'easter was developing. And I had to look up what a nor'easter is, because apparently it's very common on the East Coast. Is it a wind? Yes. Or is, oh, or is it a storm? Kind of both, I think. Okay, so it's kind of like a storm that kind of blows through at a certain time per year? Yes, so it says a nor'easter is something that happens on the westmost parts of the Atlantic, mostly around the New England area, which I still have yet to figure out where New England is exactly. Please help us. (laughs) Five me a map, please. Um, (laughs) We'll hang it in our pod area. Yes. This whole room is the pod area since I don't really use a living room. You will now. These are storms consisting mostly of strong winds, strong winds that come from the northeast. They tend to form when warm weather winds meet colder winds of the north, and then they swirl and they cause a big storm and they move mostly northeastward after that, cause very rough seas and have been the cost of billions of dollars worth of damage just in the New England area alone. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, that makes sense, because that's kind of like how tornadoes are made, is the hot wind and the cold wind. I guess that makes sense. We're very spoiled here with, like, almost natural no natural disasters. Yeah. yeah. The worst part about Las Vegas is that it's fucking hot in the summer. Yeah. And we have flash flooding, like, two months out of the year. Um, yeah. But that mostly affects you if you live by UNLV or on the outskirts of town. That's true. UNLV is, like, one of the lowest points in the city, which is why it floods up to the windows of the cars oh yeah didn't that happen one year yeah and some kid had like a blow-up inflatable like pool oh no like like uh i don't know you lay on it in the pool i don't know what it's called um and so he was just like cruising in the fucking (laughs) parking lot like laying on his little beach floaty amazing Um, and then when you live on the outskirts of town the road might wash away because when i was in high school we had a flash flood oh and the dirt got so wet it actually like saturated (laughs) underneath the asphalt and the asphalt lifted off of the road and floated away. Oh, no. Because, like, it was just dirt. It wasn't, like, cemented around it or anything like that. And it was the street that my friend needed to drive on to get to school. So she couldn't go to school that day. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so we just get the flash flooding for two months a year, maybe, and it's hot. Yeah. But no hurricanes, no tornadoes, no nor'easterns. Yeah. That's a fun word. It is. Nor'easter. Nor'eastern. <laughs> The first odd thing besides the sudden storm that happened was on the night of September 5th, and that was the death of the captain. Captain Robert Renison Wilmot was with the ship. I'm sorry, what's his name? Robert Renison Wilmot. Why aren't people named like that anymore? I don't know. That's such a good name. It really is. One more time. Robert Renison Wilmot. Renison. Yes. Robert Renison Wilmot. Wilmot. What a cool fucking name. I know. So, Captain Robert Renison Wilmont was with the ship from the start. He he was actually decided to be the captain before the ship was even built, and he was trying to be involved in the building process as much as possible so he could learn about all its new technology before they set sail. And he was the captain for almost all of the trips it made. Mm -hmm. He was known to love the social aspect of being captain more than most of the other parts. He loved that passengers thought to be seated at his table, where he happily shared his stories of having served on the original Morrow Castle for a while, and fun facts about the ship himself, the ship itself. Okay, so nice, like, personable guy. Yeah. Might commit murder, we'll see. Felt cute, might delete. <laughs> Felt cute, might kill. Well, we'll see. <laughs> when while passengers loved to chat with Wilmot, even some would even only book if they knew he would be on board. Like this was a common request when people were buying tickets to ask if he would be there that night. Oh, that's fun. I know. His crew unfortunately did not feel the same way about him. Oh. Yeah. There were constant tensions on board, mostly due to there was a stark contrast between the luxurious areas for passengers and the extremely poor living conditions for the crew. And I have searched and looked to find what these living conditions were or what they looked like, but the only thing I can find is um, workers who said that they were just very 
pretty much living in squalor while they were on the boat. I mean, that makes sense. The rich people want to have the nice rich things, but they don't want to give the people serving them all the nice rich things any sort of like time or consideration. Exactly. There is also um, eat the rich. Yes, and not this. Apparently, they were also served really disgusting food. They were not allowed to eat the rich people food. Eat the rich. Exactly. (laughs) And this combined with very low pay for the job, the crew had a very high turnover rate. And with very very few choosing to stay once they had experience working under such poor management, this high turnover meant that many crew members were not properly trained, did not have the proper experience, or knowledgeable at all about the features of the ship. So how do they do their job? Not well. Cool. Love that. Not well. Great for a luxury cruise. Yep. Um, Although it's difficult to say if any of this was actually proved, um, there were crew members who did claim that the ship was home to drug smuggling. Yep. Trafficking. Yep. um, Communist plots. Yep. And uh, immigration. Listen, all these things check out. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like shit that would happen on a luxury boat. You're really going to tell me these rich people didn't have like fucking oxy? Oh, of course. Heroin? Why else are you going to Cuba? Truly, like, there is some white powder that is not baby powder. It's not Mm -hmm. crushed aspirin. It's not crushed baby aspirin. They're lying to you. Yikes. With many disgruntled workers, there was known to be an air of mistrust among among the men living and working on the ship. Even Wilmot was noted to have been less social during these voyages when things were particularly tense. Um, He wouldn't really talk to the crew. He mostly focused on his adoring fans. But when the ship departed from Havana that day, he ended up confiding in some of his officers that he thought someone on board was going to kill him and destroy the ship. This was one of the last meetings he had with his officers. So Wilmont's not the murderer. He's a murderee. Mm -hmm. Murderino. Yep. He spent most of the evening alone in his cabin complaining that he had stomach issues that suddenly came on. Poison. He had his dinner delivered to him and he ate alone. His stomach issues continued... And then he phoned down to the crew and requested that one bring an enema of mineral oil to his cabin. And this would be his last words that anyone would know of. (laughs) Those are some, uh, (laughs) those are some choice last words. Please bring me an enema of mineral (laughs) oils. What? I would hate, like, if I was known for being such a big, like, personality. It's like, hey, bring me an enema. It's just such bad last words. (laughs) <laughs> it's such bad last words. This poor guy. What would be like a, look, real quick, what would be like a good last word? Like, what do you think? I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I really like, I think a lot about, um, like the, the person who sent their professor an email and said, hello, I am afraid. And they accidentally hit send. <laughs> they, meant, they meant to say, I am afraid. I don't understand the assignment, but they just emailed their professor and said, hello, I am afraid. I feel like that would be great last words. <laughs> hello. I'm afraid. <laughs> like, imagine, like, I'm in a car accident, right? And yeah. then an EMT comes up to me. It's like, hello, I'm EMT. I'm going to save you. And I just look up. Hello. I am afraid. Out. <laughs> Done. It's perfect. Perfect. What a way to go. Amazing. Especially. Or like, what if you had, like, a deathbed confession to some crime you've never committed? I saw who did it that night. I got a clear look at his face. It was clearly... <sighs> Yep. There's like the body. The body is buried dead. You know, like it's we're very dark people. (laughs) Maybe I'll just fake confess to something, like just to. I don't know. Some people might want their last words to be like, "I love you," and my family is great, and it was a wild ride, and we're over here like false murder confessions. Gather all my ungrateful grandchildren close and be like, "The gold." It's buried in dead. Perfect. <laughs> or alternatively, you gather all of your ungrateful grandkids and you manage to spit out the entire sentence. I'm leaving it all to the cats and then you die. No context. Oh my God. <laughs> Oliver could not be less amused if she tried. I want one of these cats to love me. They will. I'm really upset they don't. Oliver. You can always bribe them. No, they'll come to me on their own eventually. Alright, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Last words bring me an enema. 
Yes. Chief Engineer Eben Abbott tried to contact the captain shortly after this last call to let him know of a situation in the boiler room. When Abbott did not hear a response, shortly before 7 p.m., he sent a crew member to go fetch the cabin, the captain. The crew member discovered Wilmot dead in the bathroom. Poisoned. Yes. Dr. <laughs> Dr. DeWitt Van Zyl, the doctor serving on the ship, was quickly summoned to the captain's cabin. The cause of death was initially ruled as acute indigestion, but was later decided to most likely be due to a heart attack, which was actually pretty shocking because the 55-year-old captain was said to have been in good health, even though he was under a great deal of stress. But they never did get a chance to do an autopsy, so we actually don't know if he was poisoned or if he had a heart attack. Poisoned. 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 Money's on poison. Isn't that like a 90s song? I don't know. Poisoned. Hold, please. (laughs) Poison! Yeah, that's what I was going for. What? Is it just called poison? Yeah. Command was then transferred to the next in line, Chief Officer William Worms. He was named Acting Captain. Worms was relatively inexperienced, but said to have been well-liked by the crew before this incident. Meanwhile, outside the ship, winds had increased to about 30 miles per hour as they moved up the eastern seaboard towards New York. Because you can only do, like, spooky things during a dark and stormy night. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's a rule. I love that it happened. Like, I love that it happened to be dark and stormy. Yes. Like, the the atmosphere. It's always weird, like, murder and sunshine. Yeah. That's definitely a, a weird contrast. Not as thematic. No. Out of respect for the captain and the growing weather concern, all of the evening's festivities and parties were canceled, and most passengers returned to their cabins and went to bed early. But around 2.45 the next morning, a passenger was woken up by a smell of smoke and alerted the steward. The steward, Daniel Campbell, tracked down the source of the smell. A fire had begun inside of a storage locker inside of a writing room on the B-deck. Okay, so maybe that's why there's no more writing rooms. Yeah, possibly. Do we know what started the fire or am I jumping ahead? We do not know what started the fire. God damn it. (laughs) That is also a mystery. I feel like you're not amused. If you guys can see the glare I'm giving Emily <laughs> right now. Uh, how, how do we visit this? Can we go visit the ruins? The uh, wreckage? Is there a museum? Not any. There, you could used to be able to visit it, but it's been replaced by a memorial. Of the ship? Yeah. And the people who died. Okay, but there is a memorial that you can go visit. Yes. So it's still bucket trip. Yes. Bucket trip? It's still a place you can, you can still visit trip. a thing related to this thing. Okay. Yeah, if I'm that makes sense. Yeah, you can visit this monument related to this accident. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. So Campbell tracked down the source of the smell, and a fire had begun inside of a storage locker in a writing room on B-deck, and I've already said this. While the fire was small, he noticed that it was abnormally raging. He found himself unable to extinguish the flames for some reason and ran for help. The night watchman, Arthur Pender, was alerted and thought, mm, it's just a small fire. And made a decision not to sound the alarm. It just smells like fire. That's not a... It's, Aries. It's just a little fire. It's just a little fire. Just a baby. It just smells a little bit like fire. It's okay. Hello. Hello, baby. You're so small. I know, tiny. She's so tiny. So, Arthur Pender made the choice not to sound the alarm because it's just a little baby fire. But it took less than 30 minutes for that baby fire to take up most of the ship. 30 minutes? 30 minutes. That, guy is the reason a lot of people are dead. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Wait, but the fire is unrelated to the murder of the captain, we think. As far as we know. So It was just a really scary coincidence. Okay. That the captain who's been with the ship the whole time dies and suddenly the ship catches on fire. The captain is what was keeping the ship alive. Right. Like, um, what, like that heart thing the grandma has in Moana. Like, yes, the heart of Tafiti. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Captain had the heart of the ship. <laughs> um, so now we're at approximately 3.10 a.m. in the morning. Um, it was discovered one of the first things the fire burned through, because this fire was very strategically placed, was the ship's main electrical cables, leaving all of the sleeping pa- passengers trapped in the dark, with only the red outside their windows to light their rooms. Which is the light from the fire. Yep. Oh. Worms, uh, Worms, the new acting captain, had decided to beach the ship, 
but realized that the fire was growing so rapidly and the weather was so bad that they would never make it and needed to abandon ship. After making this decision, deci after making this decision, why is that such a hard word? After making this decision, he decided to leave the ship facing the direction it was and just focus on abandoning it. But he left it facing a direct headwind, meaning that now all the strong winds that had been blowing all night were blowing the fire. Were blowing in and out of all the windows and fanned the flames. Oxygen feeds fire. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now we have a huge inferno on this boat. The crew used their auxiliary their auxiliary battery power and decided that they would send one SOS message at 324. One? One. And it didn't even make it to the Coast Guard. A local radio station that was on the nearest coastal town picked it up and passed it along to the Coast Guard. Good for that town, man. Yeah. So they decided to send one and didn't even send it to the right place. Incompetence. <laughs> Amazing. And then around this time is also when the bridge, which is also known as the main command center of the ship, had to be abandoned by 3.40. It's now around 4 a.m. and people are starting to evacuate the ship. Now, one of the features of the ship was that in between voyages, they needed to maintain a certain image. And what do cheap landlords do when they need to maintain a certain image? Gentrify! Or you just take white paint over everything. Yeah, you just white paint over everything. Yeah, like this is probably it's the not, It's not that different. <laughs> just throwing white on a thing. Hoping it makes it better and probably just making it fucking worse. I also love how there's like, um, at least in like the pages I've seen, like a trend of videos of landlord specials where it's just like, roaches, landlord special. Oh, things God. on the wall, landlord special. Unpaint tenant, paint them white. I hate it. I hate it. Like, this is probably the nicest apartment I've owned, and I'm pretty sure I found almost a whole head of hair, like, painted onto my walls in my bathroom. I mean, but it is a decent apartment. Yeah. Um, despite that. <laughs> but, like, the, it's you can tell it's recently renovated. I love it. The kitchen's really nice. The windows have, like, a nice little arch to them. Mm -hmm. The paint's a nice color. I have a, um, a, horse, a horse bathing station. Yeah. Never had that. Is, your bathtub is a pool. Yeah. It's... Impressive, and I'm jealous because I don't have a bathtub because my the master bedroom in my house is a stand up shower. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, I miss that. I, I mean, I do not miss that, but yeah, I, I would love to, a bathtub. When I stay with my parent, I when I stay with my parents, I shared a bathroom with two teenagers, and there was just always hair all over everything. Oh, um, Ew. so I did not want to take a bath in there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, when I was unpacking some of my bathroom stuff. Um, and these somehow ended up in my storage unit is several bath bombs from Lush's Halloween collection last year. And I was like, why was, why was I saving these? Why did I feel like I needed to save these? So my first night here, I just dumped all of my old Lush bath bombs into one big bath. <gasps> that must've been amazing. I was covered in sparkles for days. That's incredible. I want to be covered in sparkles. Yes. Landlord special. <laughs> so they needed to maintain a certain image. So the crew would paint over many of the public facing areas and the hallways and pretty much anything that the public could see with a fresh coat of white paint in between almost every voyage. Mm -hmm. The lifeboats were a victim of these paint jobs because they have to look pretty too for some reason. So the lifeboats were stuck together and they could only get six of the 12 lifeboats going. Because they were so gummed up with paint. Hold, please. There was 240 crew members and how many passengers? 480, 479? I think so. 489? 479? Let's go 479. Yeah, because it was 719. So 719 people. There's 12 lifeboats? Yeah. They were supposed to have 12 lifeboats. Yes. That is how many lifeboats they had planned on having available on the ship. Yes. That is 59.91 people per lifeboat, well, assuming you get everybody out. I think these were pretty big lifeboats. To fit 60 people each? Well, Excuse they, me, 59.9 people each? I don't know how much the, all of them together were supposed to carry, but I do know that the six that they did manage to dislodge were supposed to be able to carry 408. Okay, so let's do this. 408 divided by six. Okay, that's 68 people per boat. I guess that's... Okay, so 12 lifeboats would have been enough. Maybe. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I guess for assuming they're all the same size, I really don't know. Yeah, assuming they're all the same size, theoretically, 12 would have been plenty. Because that would have been 800 plus people they could have gotten in lifeboats. Yes. But they had to do it for the gram. Yes, we had and to make it pretty. <laughs> paint the lifeboats white and render half of them useless. Why are we still a species? I don't know. Um, so I do mention that those six lifeboats should have been able to carry 408 people because when they launched, 85 crew members, only 85 crew members decided to take those six boats for themselves and did not wait for other people. You guys can't see this, but my eyes are very wide. Yeah. What? Yeah. Did they at least get, like... They didn't even, like, wait for the other... Like, whatever. Fuck the rich people. They didn't even wait for the other crew, crew members? No. So these boats that should have carried four, over 400 people carried less than 100. Because they were focused on themselves. I get it, but also you suck. Yeah. Like, you're in a boat in the middle of the ocean that is on fire. You want to get off it and get away from it. I get it. Mm-hmm. However, comma... I don't think it would have killed you to, like, wait nearby. Right. Maybe. It killed everybody else. Give a few people an, an option. Okay. So these were crew members. The passengers were mostly left by themselves to try and figure out how to escape. Um, there were very few crew members who stayed with them, and they were not trained in safety, but there were a few people who stayed. Um, one of these was Bob Smith. He was a cruise director, and he frantically ran from cabin to cabin after this started and ended up getting over 125 people out of their rooms and into safe areas. Good for him. Mm -hmm. He tried to keep them as long as he could, but once the smoke damage and everything became too much, um, he was the one who also helped people start to flee into the water. That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, like, fuck the rich people, but, like, also they're people, so it's sad. I know. Luckily, the winds were pushing towards the shore at this point, and there were a handful of passengers that were able to use that wind to get the 12 miles to shore with only minimal injuries. 12 miles? Yeah. In the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. There were a couple of people, they even said, like, I was about to fall asleep when I, before someone pulled me out. And But luckily for those handful of people, most of their injuries were caused by their life vests. Because they didn't know how to put them on. Mm -hmm. Because they were never given any safety instructions. Mm -hmm. Like they should have been. Yeah. Sounds about right. Do I need safety instructions to pet you? Oliver, are you going to stop being a butt? No. Lowered your head, but I can lower my hand. <laughs> oh, bye. I mean, I guess I lived with my parents for like five, almost six months. She just started playing with my mom in the last like month and a half. Oh, okay. okay. So she does. Sometimes but she like, takes a while. But then why was she demanding belly rubs from the cable guy? I don't know. Maybe Oliver. she had a crush on the cable guy. Just disrespect. <laughs> She'll love me. So now we're around 4.15 a.m. The SS Andrea F. Lukenbach arrived, arrived at the scene to assist in the rescue. There was also growing crowds in coastal towns around this area, too, that would keep the Coast Guard up to date as they would phone police and radio stations and anyone they could um, to tell them what was going on with this burning ship they saw in the water. Um, so now we're at 5 a.m. And the SS Monarch also arrived on the scene to help pull people out of the water as soon and was soon followed after by the SS City of Savannah. Mm -hmm. These three ships, in a combined effort with the local fishing boats, worked together to pull more people out of the water, encouraging Good. more people to jump off and flee. The Coast Guard did not arrive until 8 a.m. What? They said they were delayed by the storm. Everybody and they, else had a storm, too. Fucking... And they parked too far to help get anyone out of the water. Boo! But this is also the town time about... When local lifeguards from the towns of Seagirt and Spring Lake, New Jersey, arrived on the scene, water was too rough for their boats, so they decided they were going to jump in and swim out and start pulling out passengers out of the water. Good for them! Just like, true heroes! It's like, it's too rough for my boat, but not for these abs. Jesus. <laughs> that takes some guts. Yeah. To jump into rough water like that to try mm -hmm. to save people. Yeah, there's, um... There was a couple of them that were interviewed and one said it was really hard because you would see someone struggling in the water and you would get out there just to find it was too late, but they still did manage to save a lot of people. That's terrifying. Yeah. Worms and several of his officers um, somehow managed to find their way to safety and were able to remain on board until about 1 p.m. in the afternoon when the Coast Guard came for them. 1 p.m.? Yeah. 1 p.m.? Yep. I hate it. Why is the Coast Guard so slow? So slow. So there was a line that was established from one of the Coast Guard ships that would tow the still-on-fire Morro Castle back to New York. 
Um, but because there was rough water and rough wind, the line snapped and the wind pushed the ship close to the beach at Ashbury Park, New Jersey. I feel like I've been doing a lot of episodes about New Jersey lately. Yeah. I need to find something that's not in New Jersey or Nevada. We'll get there. Eventually. One day. <laughs> Listen, we all have our areas of expertise. <laughs> anyway, the so the line of the ship, the, the tow line broke and the water and the wind pushed the ship to the Ashbury Park, where it would stay for six months. I mean, it's kind of hard to move a boat that... Well, what, yeah. why don't you just tow it? Was it kind of it it got, like, stuck in the sand. Oh, I guess it's really hard to get another boat close enough to yeah. try to get a, a tow hitch in. Mm-hmm. Tow so, hitch? A tow line? I don't uh, know. I don't tow things. The thing that goes to the thing. Yeah. The, thing. the cord that connects them, whatever that's called. Yeah. That thing. Um, so, it w- so it did stay at Asbury Park, New Jersey, for a while, um, unfortunately, out of the 549 people who were on board that night, there were 137 who lost their lives. And over 40 of those bodies were never found. Aww. Which makes it even sadder. They're just chilling in the ocean, man. Yeah. The FBI soon launched an investigation into the cause of the fire, and which, while I never discovered what that cause was, they did find several interesting things that might have contributed to the chaos that happened. Tell me more. So one of the safety features that was often brought up when discussing the ship was that it had top-of-the-line fire doors, and this was supposed to keep fire isolated and not spread from room to room. So they did have these top-of-the-line fire doors. They were installed on wooden frames, and there was a six-inch gap between the top of the door to the wooden ceiling. So they didn't do a whole lot. You can't see my face because you're grimacing. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm what not is an fl- engineer. What is but flammable? Even I know. <laughs> what is flammable? They knew that in the 20s. I know. I just, I, I have so many questions. I hate it here. I have so many. That's so stupid. Uh, so even if the crew knew how to use these fire doors they probably would have had almost no effect in containing the fire. Bad design. There was also supposed to be fire detection sensors in every room, but they weren't removed from the public space because they were ugly. And this included the writing room where the fire started. So they removed the fire alarms because of aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. And then painted everything with white flammable and, paint. And then everybody died. I yeah. mean, 137 people died. Yeah. Jeez. But they installed 40 fire hydrants on board. And none of them were connected to water. Turns out you could only turn on six at a time or the water pressure would drop so bad so that they couldn't be used. So if you opened up more than six, like say when the entire boat's on fire. And everybody's trying to use one. There's no water. You're in the... Oh! (laughs) So I'm so upset. Even when the crew was able to access fire hydrants during the chaos of that night, they would get almost nothing out of it because the water pressure had dropped so low. Because there were so many open. Yes. And also, the paint from constantly trying to keep up appearances was also extremely flammable. Of course it was. And also, painted over any sensors that would automatically close the doors. Of course it was. <laughs> Aesthetic. 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 I hate it. There is one. That's that's just too many bad. Like, did they not have inspectors back then? Like, maybe this is why they have them. This. OSHA, where were you? I mean, to be fair, all laws exist because some company tried to break them before. Like, the whole reason there's, like, a law that you cannot keep toxic chemicals in the same room as your employees is because um, a company has done that and then their employees got radiation poisoning. Yep. And this isn't even the Radium Girls. This is a different company. It's just a whole, like, the, the OSHA laws are created with the blood of our ancestors. Yeah. The blood of capitalism and capitalistic greed mm-hmm. creates all these laws that any reasonable human would think are common sense. Yikes. Yep. I Sorry, that was hate a side it. rant about how much I hate capitalism. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Smile and buy things. It erases the pain. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Yeah, there is one theory as to the cause of the fire that continues to maintain its popularity. 
and that is that the man that Captain Wilmot thought was going to kill him was Radio Officer George Rogers, which, why do you have to have my name, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why is Georgie boy, your your cousin, trying to kill the No, he has captain. a really, like, he even, like, his face, he even looks like a bitch who got, like, stung by a bee in his face. Love that. Yeah, that's that's how I describe his face. Um, Rogers has never formally been accused of the fire, unless you count the HBO movie that they made about the Murrow Castle. That outright blames him. I would <laughs> formally accuse, no. In the court of public opinion, yeah. <laughs> HBO certainly thinks so. We do have several facts about his history and his personality that make this theory pretty plausible. So several passengers and the crew had noted that shortly before the disaster, he was particularly prickly and quick to get anger, quick to get angry at the smallest things. Several passengers that had fled into the water that night claimed that they saw Rogers there with his life preserver, actively beating off people who were trying to cling to it to stay alive. How could you... This wasn't proven, but we do have several eyewitnesses that say it, they thought it was That's him. Insane. Although later he would give interviews about his heroic actions that night. That nobody saw? Yeah. That nobody could confirm that he saved? Exactly. Cool. Yep. And then in 1936, so a couple years after this, he was working as an assistant in a police station, and he was asked some probing questions by his boss about the night of the fire, and the next day he decided to come in with a fish tank and asked his boss to help him repair the heater. But it was not a fish tank heater. He had altered it to be a bomb. So when it got plugged in, it would explode. And his boss wasn't killed, but did suffer severe injuries that would affect him for the rest of his life. What? Yep. Do we... Hold hold on. Okay. First question. No, hold on. Okay. First question. Do we know his intention was to kill his boss? Yes, he was convicted of attempted murder and sent to prison for it. Do we know the reason he attempted to kill his boss was because his boss asked about the ship? We don't know for sure. It might be a coincidence. I, what, okay, follow up. My brain noggin says yes. Follow up question. Has he made any statements about like his motive for trying to blow up his boss? Not that I'm aware of. Do it. Mm, follow up question again. <laughs> is there any like in like the court or like in, in any of like the coverage that you have found? Is there like, what was his defense? Did he defend? I don't know. I didn't really look up the court documents because the more I read about this guy, the crazier I felt like he was. Yeah, I just. It's like um, maybe his face was so swollen because it was actually a bag of cats. That was pretty good. Okay, <laughs> that that unbroke my brain. Thank you. I needed that reset. <laughs> Rogers was also suspected of arson before he ever got his job at the ward line, but lack of evidence made it hard to convict him, so he left that job and got his job working for the ward line, where he would be assigned to the SS Morrow Castle. He did it. After he got out of prison for trying to blow up his boss... He tried to join the Navy, but... Tell me they said no. They took one look at his history and was like, nah. Good. No. Good. <laughs> Get out of here. That's correct. Yep. They did one thing right. <laughs> Rogers was soon... He was very down on his luck. He was in a very hard financial place. So one of his good friends decided to loan him money. I believe it was only about like $7,500, um, which I mean, I guess is in the 1940s is a lot of money. But when that friend asked for that money back a year later at the end of the loan... The next day, that friend and his daughter were found bludgeoned to death. Was he charged for that? He was absolutely convicted, and several years later, he would die in prison of a brain hemorrhage. Oh, he deserved worse. Yeah, he should Boo. have suffered more. So uh, I he's, wonder what's wrong with him. He is a pretty good candidate for uh, whatever started that fire in the writing room. Yeah. Some people think it's faulty wiring, um, but also some people don't know why there would be wiring inside of a storage locker. And also, like... Why couldn't they put it out? What accelerant did you use? Yeah. I that I don't think that was, like, a... And the fact that it was so close fire. to so many, like, 
the main electrical lines and things. Yeah, like, that, that was seems, intended. That seems like not an accident. He definitely tried to kill everybody on that boat. Mm, I, I, I think he is. I'm formally accusing him. I, and he's dead, so he can't defend himself. Yes. Cool. Yep. Love this. So the official cause of the fire and Wilmont's death were never actually able to be determined by investigators and both still technically remain a mystery to this day. But we do have a little bit of satisfaction in knowing that um, acting Captain Worms, Chief Engineer Abbott, and the Ward Line Vice President Henry Cabod were all indicted on various charges relating to the incident, including willful negligence, and all three were convicted and sent to jail. Good. However, an appeals court later overturned Worms and Abbott's convictions, deciding that a fair amount of blame actually belongs to Captain Wilmont. What? Because he was in charge while they were doing all of this um, renovation. So he should have known yeah. not to cover the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like the people with the money and are the ones who make the decisions, and so they are the ones ultimately responsible. Yeah. Say la vie. Yep. So... What actually happened to the boat itself after? The boat ship, the boat, the burnt boat. Wow. The burnt boat. <laughs> I wrote the burnt boat ship. <laughs> the burnt boat is a good band name. Yes. Calling it. Dibs. Dibs. The burnt boat. The burnt boat ship. The burnt boat. <laughs> burnt boat. Why did I just say something? Boats, boats, boats. Boats, boats, boats. <laughs> The ship sat on the shore of the Ashbury Park. It was so close that if you stood from convention, if you stood on Convention Hall Pier, you could reach out and touch it. The wreck was treated as a destination for sightseeing trips, and even had its own stamped penny souvenirs and postcards for sale nearby. That sounds right. Yep, we're morbid as a species. <laughs> exactly. Um, unfortunately, we are not unable. We. We are unable to visit the wreckage as it was eventually removed and cleaned up. Ooh. But a memorial still stands in Asbury Park. Ashbury, Asbury. I, I feel like whoever lives closest is going to be like, why do you keep calling it Asbury? But you know what? It'll be great for us because then we'll know we have another listener. <laughs> exactly. So we really win. So it's Send Asbury Park. <laughs> Send us your emails. Correct us. Please do. Um, you can go visit the memorial and pay respect to the victims. And also it looks like a cool little boardwalk place. So maybe just go chill. And that is the story of the Morrow Castle. I'm not, you look very you said, stressed out. I Yeah. So when you said Morrow Castle in the beginning, I imagined like a castle. Oh. So it took me a second to get back on board with, oh, it's a boat. That's right. Boats, boats, boats. Boats, boats, boats. And I, now I'm just confused. That's just, he definitely did it. I feel like he i feel in my bones he did it yeah he, he definitely did it i need to check my ancestry to know if we're related so i can be like it's my sidekick bones I, you can feel it in your genealogy yes I there's feel new it. uh um is that a feature in ancestry.com say like generational trauma can last up to 26 generations oh so like things that happened 26 generations ago because i feel like this still... is like three right yeah so if it did like you could still have some sort of like vibes with it because generational traumas are like real studied thing and the things that our ancestors go through do have an impact on us even how does that work that's a great question i have no idea dna is weird bodies are weird people are gross brains are weird yeah i don't understand our meat skeletons at all yeah i don't understand the skeleton inside me is not a fan of the meat suit Mm, no Mm -mm. it it yearns to be free release me <laughs> take me to the void please truly all right um take me to the void is another good brand name next week do we do the uh recap of the haunted tavern we could yeah yeah all right so we're not gonna keep th- so uh we've mentioned a couple times we're going to a special spooky thing on friday the 13th which is actually tomorrow but like two days ago for if you're listening to this when this comes out yeah so as of recording it's tomorrow um, as of the release day, it is two days ago. Yeah, how'd you like it? I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was great. Totally fun. Great time. Would do again. 10 out of 10. The drinks were good. Um, only had a sip of each because I had to drive us all home. So you finished all mine. Great job. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you then. Yeah. Yeah, that's a podcast. Thank you for listening. We talk about both, both, sports. I feel like I I've said it. that way too much. You know, we committed to the bit. <laughs>
new drinking game. Um, re-listen to this episode and Don't take a that. shot whenever I say Don't votes. do that. It's a bad idea for legal reasons. That was a joke. <laughs> votes, 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 votes. For legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> I okay. like big boats and I cannot lie. And you other sailors can't deny. <laughs> We're not going to continue that. We're so um, funny. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we truly appreciate all of you spooky little skeletons out there trying to escape your meat suits. Um, but while you're stuck in them joining us week after week. Your ever-wavering patience with our nonsense. Yeah, truly. There's so much of it. I don't know how you guys listen to this. Um, anyway, so yeah, you can follow us wherever you get your podcast at Full Scream Ahead. You can also follow us on Instagram or on the Facebook at Full Scream Ahead. Or you can email us any questions, comments, concerns, personal stories. Your Friday the 13th plans at Full Scream Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. And I think that's a wrap. <laughs>